Welcome everyone. This is the Seed Camp Podcast. Today I have Keith Wallington and Taylor Westcote, Seed Camp EIRs, uh, on the show. And we're going to be talking about something that they have witnessed quite a bit with companies that they meet and, and work with at the very early stages. This is Carlos Espinal from the Seed Camp office. And today's topic is winners recognize their startup is a series of untested hypotheses. And that is a quote from Steve Blank from the Startup Owner's Manual. So before we get kick off, let's, um, let's get a little, just a little briefer. I know that we've done podcasts with each one of you individually, but as a way of just making sure the audience knows who you are, uh, just a very quick background. Keith, maybe we start with you. I know that uh, obviously you had a lot of roles before Mimecast, but maybe we can just talk a little bit about what you did at Mimecast. Yeah, sure. Hi, guys. So at Mimecast, I, I filled a, fulfilled a number of kind of C-level roles, but fundamentally, my interest was in helping the business scale. So I ate my way through the business over a period of six years, uh, discovering areas of the business that needed a change of process, uh, improve from a quality point of view, uh, change its structure. But fundamentally, I was, I, was, I was on a scaling mission for six years, from marketing and sales, through service delivery, through tech ops, dev ops, um, you know, pretty much most functions of the business. Excellent. Taylor, and you obviously work with several startups uh, here as an EAR, but also with large startups that are quite famous. You want to share a little bit about that? Quite a few. So yeah, just as a, as a recap, I, you know, worked from e- eBay and timeout and, um, AOL as well as smarter startups, like smaller startups like C-Wave and, and eMove. Um, so, uh, often in a transformational, um, role from a product standpoint, which I guess product is always kind of trans- transform the business that it's in. Mm. Cool. So, from what I, from a chat that we had, and this, this podcast came about because of a chat we were having earlier about things that you guys see as almost a, a problem that people don't identify as a problem. And the way that you guys express it to me is that you meet a lot of companies that think they have much more validation for a service than is actually the case. Uh, maybe you want to elaborate uh, on some anecdotes or of kind of what you, what do you mean by that, Taylor? When, when you work with, with companies on the behavioral roadmap and what, what is it that you've been seeing? Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, the last probably five to 10 years have seen a major shift in the philosophy of how you develop products, uh, moving away from the, let's come up with an idea, let's build a product, let's get it out and test it um, on users to a, a little bit more of a refined approach of let's come up with an idea, let's break that down into its component pieces, and let's go test those pieces individually in the, the cheapest, fastest way that we can so that when we do build something, we have a higher likelihood of that thing we built being what the users want. All right, but hold on a second. I mean, we're talking, we're in 2016. Lean Startup by Eric Ries came out, I don't know, like in terms of startup years, probably like 30 years ago. And this is common knowledge. And if I were listening and having read that book and working in startups, I'd say, wait a second, Taylor, uh, isn't that just kind of the same thing rehashed? What is it I'm missing? Are, are these companies just not getting it or what? I, I, I would love to say um, Eric's philosophies in Lean Startup have really uh, percolated deep into the culture of startup building here. I would say probably more often than not, I think the term MVP is widely misunderstood. Um, Eric does describe it as it should be done. I just don't think everyone really follows it to the extent that it should be followed. And like, why is that? Because I mean, I, one of the challenges <clears throat> with an audience that's probably a bit cynical about terms that begin with the MV yeah. is like, okay, well, what is that? Is that manual labor? Is that customer development? What is it? What? Well, it, it's, uh, you, you asked me for an anecdote around that. So I'll go there first. Um, 
or would rather you ask me what the reasons for this might be? First of all, to Taylor's point, I think a lot of people have seen the cover of the book, uh, and, and equally with Steve Blank's Startup Owner's Manual, they've seen the cover, they haven't read the book, and I'm not saying that they should take some orthodox approach, but they really no, don't necessarily understand the concept. So that's one, one issue, is they, they've either read it and don't understand, or they haven't read it, but they know about the book, and it's, it, there's some lingo that they've managed to pick up. But at least um, as common, I think, is that because because these these startups are are receiving funding really early, particularly in the UK through SEIS, EIS, pre-seed, friends and family rounds, they've they've been coached through the community around how to pitch. And I think through this process, some of them become so convinced by their own pitch that they've almost subconsciously taken the view that they are post-validation. That even though they're at pre-seed and they haven't launched their product, somehow they they arrive at the point where they think that, that no further testing is required and we should build and launch. And it, and it typically ends up taking us, uh, and I say us because Taylor and I often ship together in these discussions, uh, it takes us at certainly one conversation with these teams and sometimes two or three or four conversations over months just to get them to the point where they're willing to take the blinkers off and realize that, in fact, they've got a pile of validation catch-up to do relative to the amount of coding that they've been doing. Yeah. Mm. I'd say there's, there's probably three things that lead to this. Um, one, the heroes that all start up founders have are, are, you know, the, the Zuckerbergs and the, you know, the Peter Thiels and the, um, the people that seem like they had this great vision and brought that vision to life. And that, that's what made them winners. Um, where, you know, what they mostly don't talk about is how hard it was getting to the thing that they ultimately had success with. They don't really talk about that nearly as much as, um, you know, how, how wonderful it is to arrive at the place that they're at. Uh, I would say the second thing is that it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Um, when you're pushing forward a vision to second guess yourself constantly. And that's really what's required. And what Keith and I, um, work with startups to do is to second guess their own assumptions regularly and structurally in a, in a way that allows you to then test those assumptions, um, in a prioritized manner. Um, and then the third thing is it's just, it's, it's extra work. You, you, you want to focus on, you want to focus on believing yourself and getting your product out the door. You don't want to do all this extra work of validating everything because it's not easy um, and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, but it's, a, I mean, I, I listen to this and it sounds super intuitive, like, sure, of course I want to validate things and sure, I want to take, you know, five coffee breaks to talk with customers and stuff like that. But I mean, how do you find that balance? And are you, what you, are you the way that you're describing it sounds like a one-off, but, you know, it's probably like an ongoing thing. And, and how do you balance, like, the distraction of that versus interpolating from conversations what you should be developing and just cracking on with it. Well, I think for starters, it's almost an emotional decision, which is I must decouple myself as the, as the successful founder from the idea I've had. And I need to look at it as, a, as another entity, just like what Taylor and I do with these, with these teams, which is, you know, we're not invested in the idea, right? So we can ask the cold, logical questions. They should feel like they're able to do the same thing. Yes, it might have been their idea. But they need to realize they just emotionally separate themselves from it. So they can say, okay, I have this idea. I think it could play out in these ways. Let me go test those ideas. How do I know I'm ready to move to the next step? Because the validation steps I've gone through show me evidence that says the market wants, you know, will, will, will resonate with this, with a story. Not because I've really convinced myself because I've spoken to myself about it for so much time, you know, and I've spoken to all my friends and my parents say it's a good idea. Therefore, I should execute. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of, of turning. The, the previous methodology on its head. And um, you want to show respect for your users and show respect for your developers by saying, I'm going to put the time into making sure what 
I'm asking you to build or what user I'm asking you to spend time on or what marketing person I'm asking you to sell that I've actually gone out and tried to make sure that these things are what users want. Mm. Um, and that those are, those are real wins. And so you need the culture to believe in that. You need internally your company culture to regularly pursue this level of validation. Mm. And you, you know, both of you have worked for very large companies in the past. How has this, this sort of methodology played out in, in later stages? Because I think the temptation here is to look at what you're saying and saying, okay, it works really well for pre-seed when three guys running around asking people questions. But I'm curious, how did you guys pull it off at the macro level when a company, maybe a startup's already at a Series A or is raising a Series A and is in that stage where you guys meet them and you're like, wait a second, this isn't exactly what what it should be. Sure. So um, there are, so I, I have talked about in some previous work uh, inexpensive ways to do a lot of this validation. Customer councils, for example, just got published today. Um, but there are more expensive ways to do it where you hire a, an agency to go out and do a bunch of research for you. Um, that stuff can be incredibly valuable. You have, you have highly skilled professionals um, forming the questions properly, extracting the results in an unbiased way. That's great. And then big companies like eBay, for example, will have massive structural programs, anything from customer feedback week where every single person in the company has got to do uh, two calls per week and talk to two customers every single week um, just to orient on, on how important it is to see things from a customer point of view to entire departments dedicated to doing this as part of the flow. Mm -hmm. The other advantage you have in a large company is you have typically um, lots of volume so you're able to extract meaningful behavioral analytics whereas in a young startup um, a, you don't have a lot of volume. B, you have such staggering growth that the growth will mask any kind of analytical insight you'd be able to get out of your web, web stats. Hmm. And I know that right now there's a, a really good book that's just come out that's called Sprint, and it sort of summarizes Google Ventures' design team methodology of, of sprinting through uh, testing out a couple of things. A, the GV Sprint uh, model, is that a perhaps a framework that people could use to achieve this sort of objective? And if not, what kind of framework, uh, especially for the earlier stage companies, pre-seed and seed, what way do you tend to manage that on an ongoing basis so that we, uh, or the company rather, can get to uh, an outcome effectively? So uh, in Google Sprint books, wonderful, um, and their their mechanisms are, are certainly gaining steam, um, and I encourage anyone to give that a try. That is one of several ways to engage your users. Google Sprint typically goes from the question, what should we do, all the way to here's what our customers said about some level of prototyping that we exposed to them. Again, that, that that's a certain path, and you can do that when those are the questions you want to ask, and that is the right way to test what you arrive at. There are many other ways to test. Um, and sometimes you're dealing with um, many different questions at the same time and you want to bundle your testing in a different way. Mm. I, I was going to suggest that, um, you know, Taylor, a, a very simple tool that you've shown me that I find very valuable is, is that assumptions mapping yeah. uh, matrix, which is often, which, which appeals to me because it's, it's, it's a good starting point for, for your testing process. Like what, what should we be testing? You know, what are the assumptions we're relying on? And hence, what should we be testing? Which which of these assumptions is potentially very dangerous for us? Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to, and it's on the Seacamp blog. Uh, it's a good way to um, structurally list out all the things you're assuming about why your business is going to work and 
graphing them in a way that allows you to identify the ones you need to test first. Hmm. Assumptions matrix. You map out all the assumptions, test them out, and how often should you be doing this and what intervals so that you actually have um, the, the least amount of failure, but at the same time, not so much of a hurdle. Assumptions matrix, typically you do kind of early stages of the business. Um, and once you get into a comfortable um, rhythm of positioning your changes in a, our hypothesis is X type of way, and our best path to quickly validate this hypothesis is why um, they change with every sort of hypothesis. There's different ways to best validate them. So, Excellent. Well, this concludes our speed podcast on how to validate uh, a lot of the assumptions that you have, uh, especially early stages of the business, but even in later stages of the business, and that this doesn't necessarily get covered, perhaps in the way that most people think about MVP testing. Thanks for joining us, guys, and until next time. Bye.